At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again. It's a special rookie-laden edition of the HHC as we continue our series examining the seasons of each and every one of the Hornets players from last season's roster. Today, we're taking a closer look at Nate Darling's season with the Hornets as well as with the Greensboro Swarm. And you might have heard there was some big news on the rookie wire that came out in the last 24 to 48 hours, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Lamelo Ball is officially the rookie of the year. So we're going to talk about both these things and helping me do it back once again for a two Sam's edition of the HHC, Sam Purley. Sam, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, as always. You have been on quite the run here in the last day and a half or so because the news comes out that Lamelo Ball wins rookie of the year, and that means people like you and me go right to work doing all the write-ups all of the the breakdowns and we will talk about Nate Darling we don't want to shortchange him every player is getting a podcast but the news came when it came so we're going to talk LaMelo here he wins it rather convincingly I'm not surprised at all that he won I'm a little surprised about the margin just because there was so much talk about Anthony Edwards and the numbers he was putting up and how much of a significance would LaMelo Ball's missed time to the injury end up being I never thought that should have been a factor but I did think because it was talked about so much, it would end up being one. End of the day, LaMelo wins convincingly. Yeah, I think that surprised me too. I think of the 99 voters, it was 84 first place votes, and I think the rest went to to Edwards. And I mean, obviously awesome. Awesome for LaMelo, awesome for the team, awesome for the organization. I mean, it's really, really exciting to have something like this happen because you have a young player that is getting national recognition, rightfully so, and, you know, gives the team an identity moving forward. Now you know, okay, this is kind of be our guy. You can build around him him 
so yeah, and I think it's in the other finals. I thought Edwards was tremendous, and Tyrese Halliburton obviously I think had a really great season for Sacramento. I think overall it's just exciting. It took a while. I think we we're all waiting forever for this award to come into, but you know, couldn't happen to more deserving guy. I mean, he, he played great this year, even and even coming withstanding the the wrist injury came back and really kind of gutted out those final nine ten games and, and did everything he could so overall i think we're all pretty happy with how the uh, the voting turned out looking at previous winners a lot of the time the majority of the time it's the leading scorer that gets the award Lamelo is different because he seemed to be getting it not just because of what he did statistically but what he meant for the wins column which traditionally speaking is not a factor in rookie of the year and it's for good reason teams that pick First, second, third in the draft tend to not be very good the year prior. They don't tend to be bringing back a whole lot of established pieces in the NBA. A little bit of a boost for the Hornets that they won the lottery by such a significant margin moving so far up that they had a little bit more runway behind them in terms of their buildup of this team and of this roster to go along with LaMelo Ball plus Gordon Hayward as well. But even with all of that said, there's no question LaMelo has had as much impact on winning winning as any rookie of the year winner in recent memory. I think you might have to go back to Ben Simmons when he won it in 2017-2018, and that was a team that had already had multiple lottery, high lottery picks on it. He had missed a year, so they had another lottery pick join in as well. I mean, they were pretty much loaded and ready to go when he actually had his rookie season. Yeah, I think that was kind of the deciding factor. I think if you look at the whole body of work, and this is not a knock on Anthony Edwards, and you know, I think Anthony Edwards certainly got a lot better as the season got on. I mean, his efficiencies got really good. You know, they made a coaching change. They started winning a lot more games in Minnesota. They got a little bit of direction and stability, but I think that was kind of maybe the tipping point. I think LaMelo Ball, just from end to end, played in a little bit more of a meaningful more meaningful games down the stretch and I think and again not to knock Anthony Edwards who I think is going to be a tremendous offensive player in this league particularly I think it was hard for maybe him to shake that reputation he built up for the first 10 or 25 games he's putting up a ton of points in games they're losing by 35 40 points I think that was a hard for Edwards to maybe shake ultimately if you're just looking at the big picture now if you're looking at the final two or three months Edwards was tremendous I mean he played really really well offense was great efficiency was great and like I said the Wolves are winning some more games after they switched coaches but you know that doesn't it's not a knock at either guy I think it's just kind of what voters value and I think this year more than years past like you said the impact on winning making winning plays crunch time things like that assists facilitating making your teammates around you better I think kind of weighed a lot heavier in LaMelo's direction I think was ultimately the tipping point in the voting LaMelo Ball becomes the sixth NBA Rookie of the Year award winner in his age 19 season here's the list that he joins you've got Luka Doncic Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. And now you add LaMelo Ball to that list. That is a good list to be a part of. Very good list to be a part of. So congrats to LaMelo Ball. We'll talk a little bit more about the announcement and uh, all of the the notes on that a little bit later here. But let's move to Nate Darling. Didn't have a ton of opportunity to see Nate this season, but he, he did show us some glimpses. And we did hear quite a bit out of the bubble about people being impressed with and fascinated by his potential as a shooter. Shooting is obviously a huge 
huge part of the game, especially in this modern age. Stretching the floor, being able to knock down threes consistently will obviously make you an NBA player. Nate didn't have a ton of opportunity to show that this season, but from what we're hearing out of practices and from the G League bubble, coaches like his potential. Yeah, he's an interesting interesting prospect, and like you said, I think much like Grant Riller, it's just hard to make heads or tails of what these guys were able to do this year. I think Nate, particularly Nate coming from, like Grant Riller, came from a smaller school at Delaware, undrafted, um, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, then had no summer league, um, very, very limited opportunities until the G League bubble. You know, played well in the G League bubble, and you can definitely tell if some of the games I watch, I mean, he's got a little, he's got a, there's something there with the coming around screens, catch and shoot, three-point shooting. I mean, if you if you can kind of master that, like a J.J. Redick or a Landry Shamit, not necessarily putting him in those classes, but that's the kind of style of play I think if all goes well Nate Darling could someday be to a degree I think that's again like I said with Grant Riller I don't think you know enough to make a decision on whether you want to have him back or not I think obviously you would you want to kind of keep seeing what you got here but yeah I think Nate you know the times he did get in and you know mostly it was games that were you know kind of out of hand I mean, he looks well he looks the part he looks like he he can you know with a little bit more weathering a little bit more training a little bit more of an environment to continue to develop there's certainly something there I really think so the two positions or two roles that I think have been the most difficult to peg in draft have been center and three-point shooters, which is strange because they're such big parts of the game. But centers, you see uh, occasionally there's that DeAndre Ayton pick, that you know number one or top-tier lottery guy that's just obvious. Everyone knows that's going to be the guy. But there's a lot of players like your Christian Woods that fall to the second round or fall out of the draft entirely and maybe take a couple years to develop, and then all of a sudden, bang, there they are. Similarly, for shooters, a lot of the time, we saw Desmond Bain slip quite a bit in last year's draft. He ended up being a pretty good shooter for Memphis. You mentioned Landry Shamit. He's kind of established himself. Joe Harris with Brooklyn, not a first-round pick. He's established himself as one of the best shooters in the NBA. So what I mean by bringing this up is Nate Darling, with that being his kind of calling card, he's going to have some time, I think, to show what he can do. If this was based strictly on athleticism, you know, the elite athletes get drafted in the first round anyways. There's not a whole lot of surprises that come, at least not as many, later in the draft. But if shooting is your main trait, you can get a couple bites at the apple here. And so I think even though this last offseason really hurt a lot of second round picks and a lot of rookies because they didn't have access to all the normal things Nate Darling someone who is going to have more opportunities to show what he can do I think so you know he's got a little bit of a connection with assistant coach Jay Triano he is from Canada I think he's played on the international level at some U19 U20 games so you know he's been around a little bit he played I think at two college programs and like you said you know even in the contrary you've got guys that maybe went undrafted that kind of developed a little bit like Joe Harris and you've got guys that maybe were first round picks or lottery picks that were strictly shooters and it never really caught on in the NBA. You know, some of that is, you know, the three-point line is a little bit further back. Defenders are a lot quicker here. You know, the offense moves so much faster in terms of getting to your spots and things like that. I mean, there's a whole multitude of reasons why things work out or things don't work out necessarily from that that shooting game. But yeah, if you can shoot and you can figure out a way to shoot and shoot effectively and come around screens and catch and shoot from the corners and even if it's, you know, you don't even have to make one or two a game. You know, as long as that threat is there almost and it kind of opens up the offense for the other four players, I mean, that's what, you know, NBA teams are looking for. Teams want a lot of guys that can shoot. The more shooters you got, the more it opens up the offense. So Nate could be one of those guys moving forward. Well, moving forward here on the Hornets Hivecast, we're going to hear from Nate Darling. Our conversation with him is coming up next. And don't worry, we've got more to talk about with LaMelo Ball winning Rookie of the Year as well. Stick around. You're listening to the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. 
For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Sam Farber and Sam Purley here with you on the HHC. And now let's have our conversation with Hornets rookie, Nate Darling. Nate, thank you so much for your time. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. There are not a ton of firsts left in the NBA, but you achieved one this season. First NBA player from Nova Scotia. And you end up scoring in a postseason game your rookie year. What's been the feedback like from back home? for all you've accomplished here in your rookie year? Yeah, it's just been a lot of love. Um, it's been a long journey, and I think people have, have known that, and they're just like, wow, this, this kid finally did it. Um, and I think the, for the biggest thing, it's just inspiring to, to the youth. You know, they've never had a basketball player. It's always hockey players, you know, Sidney Crosby, Brad Marchand, all from Halifax. So now there's a route as a basketball player for all those kids who love basketball. So I think that's the biggest thing. What was your favorite moment, you would say, of this rookie season with all of the intricacies and oddities that came with it? That's a tough question. I mean, I just, I'm here enjoying the ride and every moment's been, you know, just a blessing to be here, honestly. And like, there's been some cool moments, got made some buckets, talked to LeBron, but you know, I want, I want a lot more than that. So, you know, it's just, every moment's been, been good. That LeBron one, I mean, I was watching the game and you know, you you come in late, you're trying to give the team a spark and you can see quite clearly LeBron was talking to you, but couldn't hear it. Can you give us any insight? What did LeBron say to you in that moment? Uh, he was just, it was right after my I rolled my ankle, and he was just basically saying, like, you know, after that ankle roll, like, you should be on the sideline with me. And, and I was just, you know, that was my opportunity to make a difference, so I wanted to stay out there. So that was, that was basically, it was kind of like, it felt like a respect thing, I think. But, yeah, that was about it. That's a pretty cool welcome to the NBA type of moment. Not everyone gets one with, uh, with a guy like LeBron or of his stature. In terms of things you witnessed on the bench for the team is there one signature play that stands out as like the play of the 2020-2021 season the miles bridges dunk on clint capella by far now miles bridges he'll go in dunks it on top of clint capella are you kidding me that is number one on sports center for the day week month and year my goodness can we end the game now three minutes 30 seconds left that was just ridiculous i mean he's had a couple spectacular plays but that was the most spectacular of the spectacular in my opinion for this season i think most people look back on it as you know a, a, the covid season that'll probably be how it's defined in terms of all the protocols that you've had to work your way through hopefully we won't have them next year so what's the one that you're most looking forward to not having a part of your life moving forward masks for sure i just i don't like having a mask on but yeah masks for sure and what's one thing that, you know, maybe necessity being the mother of invention is a good idea, something you wouldn't mind having stick around in terms of incorporating it into your routine or into everyday life? I don't really, because this is my first year in the league, so it's tough to know the difference between the two. But I think maybe, like, the way the, the benches are a little spread out, it looks like in the old NBA everyone was, like, crowded on top of each other, but not too spread out, maybe in between what they were, you know. I think guys are going to want more space, like, I feel like the coaches are going to want more space when they try to come back and it's all crammed, but I don't know. I've never been in the league before. so. Mitch Kupchak has mentioned that this was a tough year to be a rookie, that you guys kind of got a raw deal with the protocols limiting summer league, you know, or eliminating summer league, limiting you know, access, all those kinds of things. As you look ahead towards year two, granted, you don't know what you don't know yet, but what are some of the things you're looking forward to taking advantage of this offseason in preparation for your second year? I think uh, just working, you know, I haven't really gotten 
limited gym time, you know, and, and so I, I, I want to be able to be, just be free and working. And I think just opportunity-wise, it was tough for, for rookies to get a, a real chance just because, like you said, there's a lot of protocols. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to, to more opportunities to prove myself and not just in practice but on the court. Nate, we appreciate your time very much, and good luck this offseason. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you. More in just a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Be sure to check out the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center. Now open Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Check out all the newest Hornets gear or grab a new pair of J's. It's an easy trip on the light rail. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 at HornetsFanShop.com. Sam Farber and Sam Purley of Hornets.com back here with you on the HHC. We just got a chance to hear from Nate Darling. And again, we will be talking a little bit more about the LaMelo Ball Rookie of the Year announcement momentarily. But your top takeaways, Sam, from hearing from Nate Darling. I I love his attitude. I really do. I think he's got a a very kind of special blend of sort of very appreciative, very thankful to be here. You know, if you're, you know, kid from Nova Scotia who's never produced an NBA player before, you started at UAB, I think, and then played at Delaware and you undrafted. I think you can come into a situation like this, particularly in a crazy season that you didn't get a whole lot of run um, in playing time and just being kind of like, okay, I'm here. I'm happy to be here. You know, I did it. I made it. But I think he's got kind of a a good perspective. You know, he's thankful for the opportunity, and I think he recognizes it has perspective, but he also wants to get better. I think he recognizes that now's the time that not having an opportunity to play, I'm going to get an opportunity to play, whether it's Summer League, whether it's G League next year. Maybe it's even more at the NBA level. Who knows? But I think that was kind of what stood out to me more. I just love his attitude. And then it's funny, again, you know, seeing how many guys are pinpointing that Miles Dunk over Clint Capella as their favorite moment of the year. After There's so many great moments and, you know, buzzer, you know, buzzer beaters and game winners and me personally I like the ones where I mean that was a tremendous play with Miles but I always remember the the ones that the team ends up winning it's funny but you know that that Bridges dunk continues to be kind of the consensus favorite play of a lot of the Hornets players looking at Nate Darling and the, and the interview both those things were significant on my list I, I just took away that this game continues to grow and with each generation we feel like you know we, we've reached new heights but how could it possibly get any higher in terms of extending out and, and finding players in new places and inspiring new people to want to play and get involved in basketball in the NBA. And and here we find one in Nova Scotia that, as you mentioned earlier, has never produced an NBA player. Nate is the first. And uh, I think it's just a credit to how the game from the top all the way down makes it a point of emphasis to work with young people, to grow the audience, and to help inspire people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good good point. And not only is there is the game growing everywhere, I mean, there's just talent everywhere. It just needs to be seen. I think maybe the most prominent example right now is you look at Joel Embiid did not pick up a basketball in Cameroon until he was like 15, 16 years old. And I think it was through a recommendation of Luke Richard Mumbua Mute in Cameroon that said, basketball without borders, come look at this guy. And all of a sudden he's, you know, fast forward nine, 10 years and he's a MVP candidate. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how, not only how widespread the game has gone, but there's just talent everywhere. Not everyone's going to get to play at a Kentucky or a UCLA or a Duke or a Carolina. There's going to be guys that have to go to a UAB or go to a Delaware, or go to a college of Charleston, but there's no reason that they can't take their game to the next level, whether it's professional in Europe, professional in the NBA, G League. So it's really, really cool. I love seeing stories like this in terms of, you know, I, I know Nate's got a long ways to go in terms of being a contributing player on an NBA level. I think he would even agree to that. But it's cool to see stories like this in, in such a crazy season, not to miss little moments like this, like that first basket or, that you know, rubbing elbows with LeBron on the, in, in the game against the Lakers. I mean, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. And it's cool to see those take place this season, particularly when it was so much 
much craziness going on. You just kind of kind of stop and look around and be like, wow, you know, this is a life-changing moment for somebody. Certainly is. And also on the, you know, growing the game internationally, you're right. There's players everywhere, but there's always competition between sports for those best athletes. So in a place like Nova Scotia, if you're an elite athlete and you pick up a basketball as well as a hockey stick or a basketball instead of a hockey stick, that's a win for basketball. You now, you know, take in a player who could end up being great in whatever he does or she does, and you've brought them in to this game. And, you know, we see that in, I, I read a lot about international soccer and why they work so hard to find these 8, 9, 10, 11 year olds. It's not just so they can get them into their farm system, into their camps for the major clubs, but it's also to get them playing their sport. And in some cases with American kids, if they don't go to Europe and end up playing in one of those youth programs, well, they stay stateside and maybe turn to basketball or turn to something else. So soccer is always trying to get them to go somewhere where they can be more dedicated to their game. And here's an example of basketball continuing to spread its reach and finding an athlete who maybe, if basketball is not working as hard at the youth levels, doesn't end up picking up a basketball and doesn't ever have that moment with LeBron to talk about later on. There is always going to be a little bit of a friendly fight, let's say, between sports for the best athletes. And here's another example of the NBA winning a battle and getting an elite world-class athlete to dedicate himself to this game as opposed to another. Yeah, and you think growing up, I obviously have not lived in Canada at any point, but growing up, I mean, it's probably hockey, 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 skating, skiing, all those winter sports. I mean, that's what your friends do. And when you're younger, you're going to gravitate to do what your friends do. All my friends are on the hockey team. I'm going to go play hockey. So to kind of be a little bit of an outlier and be that basketball player or be that you know tennis player in a place like this. And look at just basketball in Canada, how big it's gotten the last few years. I mean, a lot of that success is the Raptors and how good they've gotten. Steve Nash, Vince Carter. It's like you said, the game is growing and Nate Darling is an example of it. Not only, I know he's from Canada, but he's from such a kind of remote and obscure area that hasn't really produced anybody to kind of be a part of it, or at least witness it here in Charlotte is, is really cool and shouldn't, you know, don't lose perspective on it for sure. It has produced one now. Congrats to Nate Darling won. on cracking the NBA and we look forward to more to come from him. Uh, one other aspect of the international game that has changed things quite a bit is how even homegrown American players choose to develop. LaMelo Ball, for instance, it's my attempt at a segue. LaMelo Ball wins Rookie of the Year. He quite famously left high school early, plays professionally in Lithuania, then Australia, really develops his game. And by all accounts that we've heard from, he really got a leg up on how to play as a professional over other members of his rookie class by the journey he took. Every path is not necessarily going to be right for everyone, but LaMelo Ball clearly benefited from the route he went, and not just in terms of his readiness to play, but his mindset. He has a very professional mindset on the floor. Nothing is ever too big or, you know, no moment is too overwhelming for him. Part of that, I think, is just his upbringing and maybe has less to do with the international experience, but I do think having it has benefited him here in his rookie season. Yeah, it certainly didn't hurt, and I'll go shameless plug that this is something I kind of wrote about a couple, maybe a month or two ago, over a series of couple months just kind of documenting his uh, season in with the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL and I think he started the year maybe not even in the first round and within a few games I mean he really just you know flew up the draft boards and you know like you said it's not even just on the court I mean the NBL for those who don't know is a very very tough physical league a um, lot of older veteran players and you know you have someone that comes in with sort of the fanfare and notoriety I mean they're going to let you know that this is our league and he handled himself tremendously down there fan favorite handled everything on the court professionally off the court professionally was you know loved by the fans 
fans down there, loved by the community, and they still he's built up such a huge fan base down in Australia. Um, like you said, it's not for everybody. It's you know there are some some that it has worked out for like Lamelo Ball, like Brandon Jennings, I think did the same thing. RJ Hampton also as well. And there's also ones that go overseas and then they come back and they it didn't really work out. Or you go to a team that doesn't really care about playing you or developing you. They know you're going to leave after a year. So it certainly helped him. I think it was absolutely imperative having that experience, that exposure down in Australia to kind of set the course for his rookie season this year. I, I, I think it's absolutely, it was absolutely vital and it really, really paid off for sure. That very professional mindset that he has has made him a little maybe less excited or seemingly less excited about things that most rookies are, like being drafted. For him, he's talked about draft day being like, oh, it was cool to be at home with the family, but it was not a big deal. He he was expecting all along to be drafted. It wasn't like, oh, my God, look, I went third. He was expecting to be a high lottery pick. Similarly, first basket, first start. I'm sure there was excitement for him and his family, but he didn't really show it. This time around, as he was revealed to win Rookie of the Year, something I'm sure he had in his mind was a a possibility, if not a likelihood. But we saw some honest surprise credit to the the media team and Miles Bridges for a very creative and cool reveal in the team store. Highly recommend you check it out. It's up on all the Hornets social media pages and Hornets.com at this point as well. Um, But just, you know, a look of happiness and excitement and joy on LaMelo Ball's face. It was fun to see because it's great to have that professional mindset and nothing is too big. Nothing is overwhelming. That's great. But it's nice to see him really enjoy and take that moment in because only one person a year gets to have it. And there will never be another opportunity for him to win rookie of the year. He's got 10, 15, 20, hopefully chances to win MVP and title and all these other things. But this is the only shot he's got. It's like the triple crown in horse racing. You better win it that year because you don't get another bite at the apple. LaMelo for this year and for all time now in that class of rookie of the year. Yeah, it's uh, you made a great point. It's like throughout the season, I think he's just he's grounded. I think you coming from the path that he had. I mean, he's basically been in the the spotlight since he was 13 or 14 years old. I mean, everything he does has been on Twitter or Instagram, and I think that's kind of naturally led him to be a little bit more introverted maybe, just knowing that I think he knows he draws attention and I think there's element likes it and then sometimes he just got, he, he kind of keeps it toned down a little bit and throughout the year um, another good example is that triple double you know breaking the record for the youngest to have a triple double and just saying yeah, you know happy happy we won the game you know so I thought the same thing yesterday when we saw that the video of the reveal with Miles and kudos to Nick Bolick, Jace Darling, Kyle Kieber to put that all together because that's you can only get really get one shot at that you know revealing the trophy behind the jersey and Miles too did, did great kind of playing it but um, to kind of get that moment that was the first time you really saw maybe now that the season's over and you can kind of you know unwind it a little bit with the way it ended and and to have that and just be like you said it's cool you're always going to be in the record books forever 10 15 20 years from now it's always going to be Lamelo ball 2021 nba rookie of the year so it was a hard season i sure it wasn't exactly what he thought his rookie season was going to be in the sense of the covid and the fans and and breaking his wrist obviously was a huge part of it that he kind of came back from so happy for him i think it's happy it's happy to see that excitement you know all the hard work has paid off for him and it's exciting for this organization for the city for the fans we're kind of along for the ride. I mean, there's something to be said when you have a guy that you drafted that goes on and has success and has success this quickly. There's a different sort of connection with the fans and the community. You feel like this is our guy and we're just ready for more, ready for the ride. Let's go. Third Charlotte winner of Rookie of the Year joins Larry Johnson 
and Emeka Okafor. And as mentioned earlier, but this is a very exclusive class, sixth player in NBA history to win Rookie of the Year in their age 19 season, joining Andrew Wiggins, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James, and now you can put LaMelo Ball on that list as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. A reminder, we will have our player breakdowns continuing next week. We'll have another one out for you on Monday. Till then, we hope you enjoy your Father's Day weekend. Congratulations again to LaMelo Ball. Thanks to Sam Purley for joining me again here. Thank you for having me, as always. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and we'll talk to you again next time on the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.